1: your back,
2: yes, sir. Because we
1: know what it represents. It represents everybody here you see, yes, and everybody you can't that we've talked about. Yeah. I'm here to strain with you, man. I swear to God, I'm here to strain with you. Let's go. Everything you got, We're straight with everything We're you got. Let's go. go. Let's go. Bills on three. One, two, three. Bills. You're listening to the Off Tackle with John fetus show with your host, Joe Miller. Well, what is going on, everybody? Welcome. Welcome, everybody, into the Off Tackle with John Fiena Show, brought to you by the Market Dominator team on the Buffalo Rumblings Vidcast Network, presented by Picasso's Pizza. Treat yourself to the most flavorful pizza on game day. Picasso's, we are Buffalo Pizza, shipping local, and nationwide order online at Picasso's pizza.net. I am the host of this year off tackle with John Fina show. My name is Joe Miller. You can find me on Twitter at Joe Miller wired and sitting right beside me. Right. There's the star of this show, former offensive tackle for the Buffalo bills, the one and the only maybe John Fina.
2: Happy. Victory Monday, Monday, I I finally got my shirt from 26 shirts, man. I've been, you know, there, there only come so many extra smalls. You have to wait and wait until they refill the extra smalls. I got mine skin tight.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah, John Fina and his Schmediums. Six yeah, that's foot five, right, baby.
2: <laughs> that's right.
1: <laughs> his uh Yeah, so it is uh, good to see you. But uh, we uh, have a really good show for you. We appreciate everybody who is piling into the comments section and into the chat, uh, whatever platform you are consuming this podcast or video cast on. Please like. Please subscribe. We are also super chat live, uh, which is exciting when you've got a legend in the house. And I'm not speaking of you tonight. We have that's another former Bills legend uh, Steve Tasker will be joining us just in a moment but it's so good to have every single one of you uh, why don't we start this thing off why don't we hear from our title sponsor uh, uh, John Spazchek right now what do you say
2: I love it I love to hear from John Spazchek his message is fantastic oh, here comes strategy strategy block block vision get your vision up balance foot back head up
1: yeah these are some of the strategies my good friend John Fina used to dominate on the field when he was playing for our great Buffalo football team and these are some of the things that I use in real estate to dominate as the market dominator and also the proud sponsor of the John Fina show hosted by Joe Miller so if you want to win in the real estate market It's gonna be important to bring good vision so you can see what's out there, good balance of the market. Folks, strategy is critical, and this is what we do. We educate, we advocate, we negotiate, and And we we dominate. dominate. So if you wanna win the way our football team is, you call me directly, 716. 570 3298. Let's go, Buffalo. Let's go, Buffalo. That is the market dominator, John Spaschak himself. If you're looking to buy or sell a home, please give him and his team a call, 716 570 3298. That number again, 716 570 3298. John, we appreciate you. We appreciate all of our sponsors here on the Off Tackle with John Phoenix show, but uh, we probably shouldn't even like really like delay and stuff. We should just get into this thing, you think?
2: Oh, 100% man one of my 100%. one of my favorite teammates
1: yeah are you was there more to that conversation or no no man i mean i don't what want to embarrass- i don't
2: want i don't want to embarrass the guy but he uh he really looked out for me my rookie year and awesome. he showed me the ropes he was a steady Eddie kind of guy You know, on the field, a different guy. But in the locker room, man, I mean, this is the guy you went to.
1: He was a menace on the field. But uh, drafted in the ninth round of the 1985 NFL draft at a Northwestern by the Houston Oilers. Two years later, he was picked up by the Buffalo Bills off of waivers where he would go on to become one of the most prolific special teams players and an excellent wide receiver when called upon in NFL history. Played with the Bills for 12 years, 204 special teams tackles, seven block punts, seven Pro Bowl selections. The only special teams player ever elected to be the Pro Bowl MVP, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show, Steve Tasker. Steve, welcome, my friend. Good
2: to have you. Hey guys,
1: how are you? It's good to be here.
3: Weird. Happy
2: Victory Monday to you, Steve.
1: Yeah,
3: Happy Victory Monday. That's it's not, weird. you know, I, <clears throat> I, don't usually drink while I'm on the air or, or broadcasting, but <laughs> yeah, I got, I have constraints, but this is my, this is my office
1: at that.
2: You got to get your contract, house, so guess, well, right. you get your contract rewritten. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's funny. So, Steve, yeah. what have you been up to lately? Yeah. Are you doing anything with the Bills anymore? What do you like? What do you do day to day now?
3: Yeah, I'm on every day. I'm on live every day for two hours. Five, two hours of radio show, one bills live. Yeah. Um uh, we do that. Chris Brown and I are on that two hours a day. Today we're on three hours on Victory Mondays. Yep. On Mondays after games, we're on three hours. Uh I do pregame, post-game with Maddie Glab for the team. I'm still on the payroll over there. That's awesome. Um, uh, I today I taped the Sean. Uh, the sean mcdermott show with the coach uh, on mondays we do that after the game so yeah I'm, i do that and uh yeah i'm a full-time guy over with the over the stadium i'm in the field house all day every day it's awesome and uh, mm-hmm. it's not i'll tell you it is kind of awesome because it's a great place to be these days mm-hmm. great people great leadership uh the ownership has been fantastic the coach the general manager all the people down through the the ranks of the organization it's really a quality place to work. It really is. Awesome.
2: There might've been a few years ago where it was kind of uh, rough going into the field house. I mean, you taking the slings yeah, and arrows I, from every direction?
3: Right. Well, it's, you know, it was a tough spot for the organization to be in. I mean, you're talking about, you know, pre probably 2013 when Ralph was still on the team. Um, Ralph was a great owner, loved him, and I owed him a lot. Mm. But for the when I retired, the guy was 80. And, you know, it's hard to get quality, you know, coaches and guys to sign on long-term to an organization they don't think is going to be owned by that guy in six months. And they went that – he lived to be 95, so it was a 15-year period where after I left where it was very difficult for them to get quality coaches and stuff like that for the Bills – not because Ralph was, you know, back but you know, ownership's an issue when you're talking about
2: coaches. So well, yeah, uncertainty, um, man. You take everything yeah, into account. Uncertainty. Right? Uh, these guys have so, fam- yeah. these guys have families too. They got to weigh every variable when entertaining a right. job.
3: And so um it was tough for a long time. Not and, and that's not the only reason. I mean, there were other reasons as well, you know, draft picks and where they stood in the draft and salary cap and things, you know, philosophies and stuff like that. But once Terry Pagula and Kim bought it and took it over, uh, you know, they Doug Marone left the organization under their – he just said, I'm done, and left. That's, you know, another illustration of uncertain owners. Uh, he left. They hired Rex because – I think they were new to the game. Rex came in and swept him off their feet. Rex is a, a verbose guy, really – you know, he's a gregarious guy. You know, it's fun to hang out with him. I'm sure he swept him off their feet in the interview process. But I'll say this – the minute it became real that Rex wasn't the guy, they did not care. He was done. <laughs> wow. They, mean, that's the done. business,
2: though, right? I mean, it, you call it cutthroat. But... It wasn't that way. Hey, it wasn't that way with, you know, because they're
3: still on the hook for his salary and all that. And Terry, to his credit, he said, Hey, I do not care. We're not, I am not living like this. Get me, and then they went. They got consultants. They had people who talked about it, and, and the experts come in. What are you looking for in a head coach? Here's what you should look for. The experts uh, in the real world came in and, and got them on the right track. And of course, they hired Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott, and now they're in the playoffs every stinking year, and they're one of the best clubs in the league. Yeah. So, yeah, one of learned, the best like, clubs
2: in the league, like the secret that we had when we were there. You know, it was like the best kept yeah, secret. Well, it's not
3: just the club. Yeah, it's not just the club, you're right. And now it is the club, but it's also, you know, the city and how the you know, the the city of Buffalo and the fan base have rallied and proven themselves to be something different yeah. than other fan bases. Yeah. Well, or something Steve, special. And that's that's pretty cool.
2: It is really cool. And and with that, Steve, I know you're a conduit to places uh, unreachable by Joe and I, so please, please extend uh all, everybody in the chat all of uh, all of our listeners and yours of course our best wishes for uh both kim pagula and john murphy whom uh you must know very very well and you know just send it up the chain whether you just get your vibes a little bit closer than we can uh i know joe and i and everybody in the chat here would really appreciate it so yeah, for sure
1: yeah and and actually even to that point absolutely yeah going doubling back to even damar hamlin um and just seeing what that whole situation brought about and as a man of faith and john is a man of faith and steve i know you're a man of faith just seeing the spiritual awakening that kind of happened through that whole situation across this nation due to you know a buffalo bills player um can you real quick briefly kind of take us through because i know that talking with john i know talking with jerry ostroski that they were shook as even former players by just what they kind of saw and how things happened where where were you at just headspace wise mind wise heart wise spiritually like where were you at through that whole process
3: um i i was uh i was at the stadium we were watching because we do live post game pre game from the stadium mm-hmm. so i have to watch the the away games there with, with the crew in a control room, and we have a bunch of people there. And when it happened, uh, you know, you know how it is. You, you think, okay, yeah, how long is he going to be down? They'll pick him up, and they'll, they'll take him off, and we'll get going again. And then when the player – when we come back from a commercial – they went to – I don't know if you guys realize – they went to, like, four commercial breaks. <laughs> yes. Right away. And – During And I didn't know this until later, but a lot of things happened while the national TV audience was away in breaks. There there was sprinting and guys bringing the defib guy out to the middle of the field. They brought the players. They asked the players to surround them so that it wouldn't be seen. And that's very unusual. They brought the ambulance up there. All this stuff's going on. That is, all of a sudden, it became not just another injury. Every player from both sidelines was on the field. Mm -hmm. They were... Hurt, huddled around and you could see camera shots of the shock and horror and the surprise the just the unbelievable reaction of some of the player you know demar's teammates josh uh tredavius white stegs all these guys it was unbelievable and i could feel for joe buck and troy aikman in the booth trying to grab they don't have anything to say there's nothing they can right, say right. they're looking for anything to say so their guy john terry or uh, I think it's I think it's John Terry, John Perry. I'm sorry, John Terry. Perry. I think he's in the booth with Joe and Troy. And I'm sure he was on the phone with New York saying, "Hey, what's the story? What are we going to do?" And New York, some guy, the guy he calls in New York, which is a commonplace occurrence, probably said, "Hey, usually it's a five minute warm up after this is all done, and we we kind of get it going. That's what usually happens." So Perry hangs the phone up, looks at Troy Aikman and Joe and says, "Well, I talked to New York, and they said like a five minute warm up, and they'll get back at it." And so Troy and Joe say, well, we've been told by New York, which technically is true, but it's just, it's a procedural thing. It's not that they're going to do. Right. Yeah. They come out. Hey, it's going to be five minutes. And they're going to go start going and Joe Burrow's out there warming up. He doesn't know how it's going to go. And when, and I didn't know that I kind of put these pieces together later when Joe, when Zach, Taylor walked across the field and talked to Sean McDermott. You can see Sean talking with his hand over his mouth. Mm -hmm. And and we heard later that Sean said, listen, I don't need to be coaching this team. I need to be at the hospital with DeMar. And both coaches were unwilling to proceed. Yeah. Yep. That right then and there is when the decision was made. Those head coaches said, we ain't doing it.
1: That was a powerful moment.
3: Yes. And to their credit, to their credit, Troy Vincent and and, uh, Roger Goodell – took their word for it and believed the guys that were there, that head coach just said, you're right. Kudos to the league for backing those guys up in that moment.
1: You never see a head coach make his way all the way across the field to the other sideline. When he made that beeline for Sean McDermott, I looked at my wife and my daughter was like, this game's over. And they're like, how do you know? I was like, because this that you're watching right now never
2: happened. Never. Yeah. It's
3: unprecedented. I'll
2: tell you what was a beautiful moment about that. And you know what? Sure, there might have been some gaffes, five-minute warm-up, the game goes on. You know, I can forgive all of that because this was – this is unprecedented. Mm -hmm. But what I love is that the two guys who were in charge of running the show were just able to say, you know, we've always said that life is bigger than football, Mm -hmm. that there are some things that are bigger than football. And when there was the opportunity to go either way, they really chose to stand by the words of themselves and the players and humanity. I guess, you know, and that, that was, that was, I guess looking back on it, it's heartwarming. Yeah.
3: It was an enormously positive moment for the league in a tragic, what could have been a tragic city, uh, a tragic setting. Mm. Um, And after that, you know, when the, when the game was over, we didn't, you know, nobody knew how tomorrow was going to be and we never knew, didn't know how positive it was going to turn out. Um, It was for about, I don't know what was a 72 hours. They finally got some. He was off the ventilator, and they said he's going to do. And he and he, he FaceTime the team and mm-hmm. flex for him. The time between that FaceTime and the incident on Monday Night Football was a very, very difficult week for all of us mm-hmm. here in Buffalo. Mm-hmm. At the, it working over there very difficult week. Uh, the club had asked us, me and Chris Brown, my co-host on One Bills Live, and Maddie Glab, who's the team reporter, were the three kind of media personalities. Of course, the players are the center of it all. We're just kind of facilitators. But they told us, and my, and you can imagine, my phone was absolutely exploding with requests all over the country to come on and talk about it. What's going on with the team? How are the players acting? How are they feeling? What's going on with the coaches? The whole thing. And the club rightfully said, don't do it until – don't do it for at least for this week, maybe ne- not next week mm-hmm. either. And so that was a big relief because it was – I don't know how any other way to say it. It was very, very difficult for all of us yeah, to go sure. to work for sure and continue on, and the players especially. So, yeah,
1: it was a big moment when when Demar came out of the woods. Yeah, and uh, God just being in it, and like I said, seeing the spiritual awakening, and just even like the references to the number three, which he wears, and you know, the numbers have great significance uh, in scripture. The number three is the number of perfection. And just to see that number pop up so many times, even kind of as he was coming out of this thing, uh has been tremendous. And I actually noticed. So there's three of us. This is unscripted, and we're all wearing the Standing Buffalo logo. So let's just take that <laughs> as a sign that God's in this this weekend. So because I'll gonna- say this: if you can if you can watch the opening
3: kickoff of that New England Patriot game and not think it's something supernatural happened, I don't know. You don't have a pulse. Right? Yeah, um, I've never. I told my even from when my kids were being born all the sporting events my kids have been to all the great things I've seen as an analyst the things I took part in I've never been a part of something that moved me and and where I was absolutely sure that there was a greater power involved than that play right there. Yeah. I could not believe what I was seeing and it was it was an absolute miracle fairy tale. Yeah. And Josh said the same thing. I mean, you can't you know you could feel it. I mean, there's just there's people that You just can't come up with another explanation for it. It was miraculous. And uh, to have, you know, Naheem Hines take the opening kickoff of that game, 96 yards for a touchdown. Mm. I was absolutely – I was standing up in the radio. I, we watched the game in the radio booth behind John Murphy and Eric Wood. In this case, it was Chris Brown and Eric Wood. We were standing up behind, and I was standing up with both hands on top of my head, screaming. I could not believe it. I lost my mind. I absolutely lost my mind. I've never lost my mind at any moment in my career or since over a play like I've lost my mind over that Naheem Hines kickoff return. Never. It's unbelievable. It's amazing.
1: uh, Steve thank you so much for just just bringing that back to us and telling us that story because every 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 story is unique all of us it it affected all of us so so much and was so difficult as you said Buffalo Rumbling shut down so like we do a ton of podcasts and a ton of video stuff and we like I have a post game show the overreaction post game show that I do every week after the game and like I canceled that. Like, So we did the same exact thing that the Bills had you do. We just shut it down, and we let just kind of the moment be the moment, and let's get through this together as a country. So yeah. thank you again for just just kind of reliving that and letting us know. Let's move to the football game, and let's talk about uh, this past football game, and then we'll talk about uh, briefly what's going to happen, hopefully, in the Bengals game. But before we do, uh, John's going to let us know about House Capital real quick.
2: Yeah, Steve, I just want just to let you know, man, the next time – You're going to buy a house. Look, everybody's got a guy, right? But if you need work on your roof, Joe Miller can do it. Heck, I can do your inspection because everybody knows somebody. But when you're looking to get your financing together, Steve Tasker, you need to call Brian Belser from House Capital Corporation because he will be your guy. Brian Belser and House Capital make the mortgage process simple, hassle-free, and understandable. At House Capital, their preferred relationships with some of the top lenders give you the edge up and getting the financing you need. Steve Tasker, take it to the house with House Capital. Take it to the house. Brian give, Brian Johnny,
1: give Brian Belser a call if you have the opportunity. So let's uh, let's start with the, uh, the just your overarching, high, well, just high-level thoughts as we do every single week of this game. Steve, we're going to give you the floor. So just first glance, mm-hmm. thoughts on this football game against the Miami Dolphins on Sunday.
3: Uh, Bills are a really good football team and they have seen the enemy and it is them. <laughs> you know, they are their own worst enemy. Uh I have said it, they I did a thing today on the radio. The Bills over their last 29 games are 25 and 4. Uh, no, that's hard. 24 and 5. Wow. 20, Sorry. Wow. Right. They're 24 wins, five losses. Of the five losses, two of them are overtime losses. By touchdowns, one to Tampa Bay, one to Kansas City. The other three losses are by a total of eight mm-hmm. points. They are a tough team to beat. A tough team to beat, uh, even when they turn it over three times. Uh,
1: Seven sacks,
3: and they never—they—they ne- they don't seem to be clicking on all cylinders. Josh is throwing it to the wrong jersey. You look up, and it's thirty. They've scored thirty-four points. I mean, they are good. They're really, really good. And um, it's going to take a, a great effort by the Cincinnati Bengals to beat them. Now, the Bengals are good, too. They've got some guys, and they've got a good defense. They're stacked, mm. no question about it. And they look good early in that Monday night game before it was stopped because of DeMar's incident. They, But for me, um, most teams, it has been – uh typical for me that most teams really make some hay offensively early in games against the Bills. Mm-hmm. Yep. One of the things that the Buffalo Bills have done really well with Leslie Frazier as their coordinator and Sean McDermott and the whole crew, they put the screws down and they in-game adjust yep. really well, really well. It gets harder and harder and more difficult and more difficult to score on this team as the game goes on, but early on teams will make hay. Mm -hmm. They will make hay. They'll score some points. The first quarter teams will, you know, they'll get off to a fast start before the bills start to, to rally. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, offensively, you know, I think teams are really doing their best last week, uh, week 18 of the regular season against new England. They did it. And now I think that the Miami dolphins did it in this last game when they're defending Josh Allen teams are doing their best to rush him but make sure he doesn't pull the ball down with it. Yeah. If Bills if he's going to beat you make him do it from the pocket. Right. Well, he scored 35 on New England and 34 on on the Dolphins and he beat them both. But let's say it wasn't it didn't look like the Bills offense because they made him stand in the pocket and beat him. When he tried to leave they tackled him. Right. And that's hard to do sometimes. And sometimes he made some plays, particularly against the New England Patriots. He got out of the pocket a couple of times, made big plays outside the pocket, the John Brown play, uh, all of that. So, yeah, he does beat him, but he didn't. He really never ran the football. This last week, he was four rushes for 20 yards Mm -hmm. against the Dolphins. Week 18, he had nine rushes for 17 yards against New England. That's not. Josh usually runs for 75 yards, right? I mean, he's usually mm-hmm. 50 plus yards for rushing. Those two, those, that's a strategy I think teams are starting to unfurl against the Bills' offense. So defensively, the Bills kind of clamp down. It takes them a little while to get started sometimes, but they do play well against everybody. And then for the offense, it's what I said. Uh, <laughs> Josh is really good, man. Really good. He's really <laughs> good. And uh, they're hard to beat. They're really hard to beat.
2: Steve, you're you're uh, you're a legend just like I am, more so for sure. You know, there's a lot of hype about the line in Vegas and things of that nature, but expectations of the game, uh, you know, to me, I look at this, I say, oh, you know, the weather might be three points. You know, they got the third string quarterback, but you know what, he's a man too. You know, I thought in my heart the whole time, you know, eight points would have been tops for me on the spread because divisional game too right Mm -hmm. third time you're playing these guys and beyond skylar thompson these guys know each other pretty damn well so uh, you know what was your feeling like uh, and i know you're a pragmatist a little bit like i am but you weren't you weren't seeing a blowout and do you do you hear a lot of that and you just shake your head like i do
3: (laughs) a little bit yeah and i i always remind myself when they do the betting lines in vegas or any place else they they're not they're not saying who they think really will win the game Mm
2: -hmm.
3: what what their signs on is what they will bet not what they not how the game may or may not come out because if you're talking about how the game's going to come out none of us know right none of us know um but they're thinking all right i think the public perception is that the bills are pretty stinking good and the dolphins are starting their backup their third string quarterback nobody Thinks this is going to should be a close game. This is, and that's what I think. That's how they set the line. Mm-hmm. So for me, I, the line, as much reality as it is public perception. And, and as you know, practices closed.
2: That's <laughs> they right. They just don't know. They just, they don't, just know, don't know. For sure. For yeah. sure. Well, I, you know, I, I would like to dovetail on what you said. I'm, I'm in most, mostly agreement with you. To me, um, you know, Josh has enjoyed some pretty, free releases on his runs. I think he's a terrific pocket passer uh, still could get better, but you know, I look at some of the the pre-snap reads that he's making and, you know, the understanding and it matters too, if it's a, a three or four man rush, if on the snap, you can see if there's a spy or not, you know, then maybe you're not tucking the ball and running. Maybe you're, maybe you're throwing that up for grabs ball, 20 yards downfield, or, you know, just throwing it away. Yeah. So, you know, I, I mean, he's a great, quarterback yeah. uh you know I think that is. I think there's still more development do you where do you see like Josh's next step
3: I think for this offseason I think one of the things that he does needs work on and you'll see it particularly early in games when he does the quick release or if he if he wants to get rid of the ball really fast on a slant or something where he's got a quick check and then come off and go to a different guy real fast on a short route. He's not real accurate when he's throwing those kind of darts.
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. He's
3: pretty good on a slant where he knows where he's going, comes out and knows one guy. But when he comes off that guy and goes to another guy, unless he sets his feet really quick and lets it go right, he has trouble putting it on the guy. Mm -hmm. You've seen Mm -hmm. some slants, and and we've got a lot of problems with drops, you know, this year in the receiving core. Some of that's on Josh because he doesn't quite put it in the right spot because he hurries his throw a lot. He's he's got he's got a little arm arrogance and he knows he can make every throw Just a little and it's easy for him. It's easy for him. So he never takes the time to set his feet. And it's not. A, and for Josh, it's not about getting the throw made. It's about mechanics of getting it there and putting it right where you need to put it. Yeah, he can he can throw it everywhere.
2: Yeah. And you're right about I that. I mean, he he, needs to work on, he doesn't have to set his feet. And he yeah, showed that numerous times right. in the game yesterday. You know, he's then, all over the all over the yeah. place, and the ball comes out right. on a dart. But if he does, I think to to your point, if he can get settled a little bit before he makes that throw, the difference of eight to ten inches where it meets the receiver is the difference between a reception right. and a drop.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah we had especially
3: in the New England game last week. Go ahead.
1: Oh, say we had a we had a we had a fun conversation with Drew Bledsoe about five weeks ago. You know, probably the only other guy that can talk about arm arrogance to the extent or the level that that Josh can, and we we had a fun little breakdown with just Drew, just talking about just arm strength and the ability to put the ball anywhere you want to on yeah. the football field. So yeah, yeah.
3: You look at the you look at the New England game two weeks ago, and you know he had like three drops early in that game. One was to Gabe Davis. It was on a slant. It was back on his back off his back leg. You know, behind him, he's down low. Couldn't even grab it, you know. Right. But it, he hits it, and it it drops to the ground. Other throws like that are the ones I'd like to see him clean up. Now, yeah. in early in the season, they were running their offense, and they were really efficient. They were staying on the field longer than they did a year ago, but they weren't hitting the big plays like they did a year ago.
1: Yeah.
3: Now, last couple of weeks, it's back to big play, big play, big play. Yeah.
1: But I think that was a little dictated by the defense, particularly in this last game. So I'd love to break that down just real quick. And then we can talk about it probably at some other point as well. For me, so sitting in the stands, I was a wreck. So my show, Steve, just so you know, because I'm sure you're not familiar, it's called the Overreaction Post Game Show. And it's it's based on the fact that Bill's Mafia, what do we do? All football fans overreact. So my show is not about X's and O's. It's not about the science of the game. My show is I'm bringing to you, the fan, how I felt on the couch. And more than likely, you felt the same. And there was times in that stadium that I was like nauseous. But the the moment after the strip sack for a fumble, the the crowd was deathly silent, not because we were respecting the offense being on the field. We were shell shocked. We couldn't believe the last, what, four minutes of football that we had watched from the second or the first half of the second half. Um, But on the rewatch, so watching it again today, that was a really good football game. Like when you break it down, (laughs) Like, when you know what the outcome is going to be and you're not stressed out, it was just a good football game. But to your point about the offense as well, you know, there's a a, a handle on Twitter, at Yards Per Pass, and he used to do a lot of just breakdown stuff. And this is the best thing I've heard about this Bills offense in 2022, and I talked about it last night on the show. He said this after the game. He said, I have zero idea how the Bills put up so many points on offense. He said, it just seems like a clutter most of the time. Like, just it's just chaos. He said, and then you look up at the scoreboard, and they've scored 30-plus points more often than not.
2: And that just, it, uh, that's just – That's exactly what Steve said, right? You know, you got, you're got you shooting yourself in the foot, and at the same time, you're hitting the end zone to the tune of 31 points. Right.
1: Yeah.
3: So
2: 34. It was, I mean,
1: it's it's it crazy. It, have either of you I'm, seen a team make as many self-inflicted mistakes? So not like – uh, not a not a, a a bad coverage on a you know on a defensive play that let up a touchdown just self-inflicted inflicted mistakes as this team seems to make week in and week out and overcome them it just seems unreal I've never seen a team find a way to win more than this team finds they just find you said it Steve at the top this is a good football team
2: like yeah yeah I, I yeah they're Go ahead. I think, you know, what you're saying, Joe, and what everybody out there is saying is, like, we want and we're aching for seeing the Bills put together the beautiful game. Well, the 90s Bills, and it, I'm all right. I mean, right, there right. was no, so get it.
1: much perfection in execution for four years that we were just like, watch this. Like, Yeah, <laughs> I know, I know. People.
2: <laughs> and I, I it's it's crazy right i mean i was uh i was up i was in phoenix uh steve uh with glenn parker jeff Wright, okay oh man all yeah. right and mark maddox walking oh, nice. at, watching at a, a bills backers bar the bonfire in tempe or chandler and it was a bonfire oh yeah i saw it
3: i saw your tweet yeah
2: yeah it was crazy i'm sitting there with jay spence who also does uh, a couple of shows on our on our network here. He's in the comments section right now. Yeah, 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 he's with us tonight. And he and I were like, I, you know, you know, when you're like mixing it up with your buddy, and he's got me in a headlock, and we're jamming each other up, and then all of a sudden, one play later, our hands are in our arms going on our sides. Go, what the hell just happened? You know, and I think yeah. we're just craving for. I don't know if the word is a boring, methodical. Um, you know, playbook football. We I I think frankly, a lot of people would just like to see that, so their nerves aren't so frayed. Yeah. Well, the worst thing that happened was that yeah, Buffalo it, Bills Patriots
1: it, playoff game in Buffalo last year. The perfect game. I mean, that's yeah, the worst well, that's thing right. that could have happened to Buffalo. That's Bills what fans. I was gonna.
3: That's the one I was gonna mention. You think that's the way every team, every game's got to go, right? Okay. Um, and certainly, I'll say this: when the Bills play the way they did that night, and when Josh plays the way he did that night. Yeah, they can do that to a lot of a lot of teams, a yeah. lot of teams. Yeah. Um. But it it's hard to do. I mean, you know how we've never seen it before. It's it's rare that a yeah. team can put that kind of effort together. Yeah. Um. I, I think this you know this game that we just watched uh, and how frustrating it was. You know, with you and the overreaction post. I mean, I get it. I was feeling the same thing. But I'll just say this. Um this team when you get down to it this team plays its best in big moments. Mm. Uh, mm. all of them particularly yep. Josh and particularly Steph Diggs and particularly some of the other some of the other guys you can name as well Milano yep, um, yep. they show up big yep. and I think that's going to continue to be the case. That doesn't mean they're going to win every game, but I'll say this, I I don't know how if I've seen them play so poorly that a team's going to run off and leave them on the scoreboard, the only time we've seen it is in the Indianapolis game. game last year. Last year, when they came back and avenged a playoff loss, which mm-hmm. I can understand that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but our defense wasn't what it is last, you know, that last year, and they, they, we were susceptible to it, and they took advantage of it. Good on them. Uh, you know, they still didn't get to the playoffs. Yeah that was a and and I've, and I've been on teams like that where to avenge something when you bring those guys together and you get an, an opponent that you can really rally up to and get after yeah a bad team can play great um that's what happened i'm not saying that they were a bad team but they played great against us that day other than that this team is hard to beat mm-hmm. by by double digits by 10 by 7 by 8 mm-hmm. it's hard to beat this team like that they've had their last twenty nine games have had two games they lost by six points in overtime. They were overtime games, right? Other than that, you can't you don't beat them,
2: right? That's crazy. It's crazy to think about. It really you, is. It's
3: crazy to think about this I, it, run that I, they've I, been on. You, you, you said,
2: said it, and you know, you know, most people. You get so caught up in the last game and the things that you loved and the I things mean, that you hated, and you, you know, you you can't like just gravitate back to quantifying something like that. And then when you said it, I thought to myself. Holy cow! We have a great football team, and uh, Steve, we had uh, Josh Allen's father on, hmm. and I, I keep talking about how we this team finds a way. It's not always beautiful; it, it looks like a disaster every now and again, but they find a way. And Josh Allen, his father Joel, would say to him, "What the whole time he was growing up, everything about competition was APO: Adjust, Persevere, and Overcome." overcome. And I, I, you know, I, I took that down in my notes, Joe, and I was like, I think I still have that. Cause all this stuff that Steve's talking about brings me back to what Joel Allen said, yep. adjust, yep. persevere, yeah, overcome. Josh is a
3: great example of it. I mean, he's, he is really, he's so gifted obviously. And he, and he does have some things that get him into trouble because he's, you know, the biggest, baddest guy on the field. Um, <laughs> I
1: love that. LeBron. And, he is
3: LeBron. And, <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, that gets him into trouble sometimes. But when he gets in the right zone in any given Sunday, you know there's never there's never been anybody like him. Yeah, there's never been anybody like well, him. John Elway was a good maybe good imitation of him because John could run and stuff. But back then, you know, you didn't do it. Yeah, because there was no quarterback protection. You were you know you were going to get labeled out of bounds. Yeah, forget about forget about a, a you know a cheap hit on the sidelines you were going to get ridden out of bounds and driven into the ground. Right. So, you know, they didn't want their quarterbacks doing that. And it was a smart move back then. Now, you need those guys to do that, and Josh is there's nobody like Josh who can do that. So, Yeah. as well as he can. Yeah. And hey. so, uh, you know, it's just it's a different world and Josh is the perfect guy for it.
2: Hey Steve, we're at this point in the show where what popped out at you? Like what what are some shining moments, performances or by groups that you saw that we could take away from this game. So not everybody in the comment section and listening through this on the download, you know, continues to have their little mini uh, meltdowns, right? Tell us something good.
3: Yeah. I'll say that, you know, I always think about what, what I learned about what I always love getting to look at if there's any different kind of game plan that people use against Josh and this team. Mm -hmm. What are they you know, you know, what are they doing? Mm -hmm, And we mm -hmm. talked about it earlier. The Dolphins, they brought pressure. And they went zero and single high safety, manned up on the outside, and they brought pressure. And they didn't want pressure to make Josh or allow Josh to get out of pocket. There's two things. There's two parts of it. Not only are they going to bring an extra rusher, but they were going to hem him in. They weren't running very many stunts. They weren't crossing and Xing too much. They were just coming up their lanes, making sure Josh had to stay back there and just...
0: Support for this podcast comes from Smart Water. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? Smart Water Alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smart Water Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a smart water alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com.
3: He, if, if he could beat them from the pocket, so be it. That was the chance they were going to take, and they were manning up on the outside. That's why they were going deep deep ball after deep ball after deep ball. There's no safety back there. All you got to do is heave it up and you know, pass interference, illegal contact, whatever, or it's, you're going to complete it. Now, the one miscommunication with John Brown, you know, Josh throws it up, and to me, um, a little bit of bad luck a little mixed with a little bit of, you know, taking a big gamble that didn't pay off on the John Brown interception. If a quarterback throws it up to you like that, as your receiver, you got to see it. You got to know he's saying, Hey, make a play, go you up know, and just get make it, make a play, go up and get it. Help me out. See if you can get it. But if you can't, don't let that guy get it. And John Brown, he would know that, but he didn't see, he didn't couldn't find the ball. Yeah, he, he found was, it too late. Yeah. couldn't adjust. Couldn't and really all he wanted to do was tackle a guy before the ball even got there. If he wasn't going to catch it, just pull the guy down and let the ball bounce. But he didn't pick the ball up in time. That means the guy catches it and gets a chance to run it back, and you know, and they're off and running with a big return on a on a on a play. Um, but that's what the team was going to do, and that's what I come out of this with. Last two weeks, clubs have made a concerted effort not to let Josh Allen run with the football.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm.
3: And you know, they hung 35 points on the Patriots and they hung 34 points on the Dolphins. So they were they were but they were they gotta feel like they did that. You only rushed for 17 or 16 yards against the Patriots and you rushed for 20 against the Dolphins on for rush. Yeah. That's a different kind of stat line. And if you can start affecting that, maybe you can you can find a way to beat them. And of course, when when you're going zero coverage or zero safety with, and bringing, if you're blocking five and they're bringing six and you're blocking six and they're bringing seven, either they're going to nick you for a big play like the bills were trying to do, or sooner or later, somebody's come free and he has to pop pat the ball and he gets whacked and it's a sack strip fumble and touchdown going the other way. Or you lay one out on the deep ball and and it's a misadjustment and you get an interception. Yeah. So In some of those cases, you're going to get a play back, and the Dolphins, to their credit, they were willing to take the lumps early. Yeah, the Steph Dig 52 yarder, you know, the long plays they were getting early. They were listen. We got to. If we're going to win, this is how we're going to do it. We can't deviate from it, and they didn't. Even when they were down 17 nothing, and sure enough, they started getting turnovers, and it turned around for
2: them. Yeah, It, it did. It did. And you know, when I look at the good on this, Steve, I mean, yeah. the offense put the defense in some pretty, pretty rough situations. And, you know, everybody, well, if we didn't have those turnovers, blah, blah, blah. But honestly, I think the defense crushed it. It, Mm. The short fields they had to defend and everything that they did. And beyond that, the secondary looked tighter than I've seen him in weeks. I I think, you know, Elam's getting his confidence. Tredavious White, uh, you know, he, he got, he had a step on, the guy had a step on him. I, I can't remember who it was, but his recovery speed is coming back. He lays out, he takes a swipe at the ball, you know, obfuscates it, the receiver can't make the catch. Um, Milano had, you know, one or two kind of missed tackles, but Tremaine Edwins looked great. I thought mm-hmm. we had we had fair to good pressure from the front four, and the and the run stopping was terrific. I mean, to me, the hallmark yeah. of this game is defense can win championships, and if you can really tighten the defense up at at this run part of the season, you know, it gives those guys on the offense, maybe as we saw a little bit of latitude, they may, they take a few long shots and they can still recover because Leslie Frazier and Milano and Edmonds are there to back them up. Yeah, for sure.
3: Yeah. I thought, I think you're right. I, one of the things I noticed too, because we've struggled at it in weeks past at certain times, I thought the defense as a whole, you mentioned Milano missing a couple of tackles. I thought on the whole, the defense tackled really well yesterday. Really well. Uh, yeah. There's been games where there have been games when they didn't and, and it's it sounds simple and it is, but it's not easy. And when you say it, people say, of course. But if you watch for it, it's it's evident. The best tackling team is the best defense.
2: Mm-hmm. That's right. The
3: first guy to the football makes the tackle, no extra yards, no broken tackles, no you know the guy get they gotta have guys open to get yards. And they're not open and first guy there makes a tackle that happened yesterday a lot of tackles that were one guy first guy there boom down uh they did a really much better job yesterday than i've seen him doing a while at tackling and you know milano getting two sacks um uh, and then you know uh, boogie basham getting a sack mm-hmm. ed oliver getting a sack um steve i gotta ask you huge.
2: a question is it really a sack if you just beat a tight end to the quarterback? I mean, come on. Shouldn't shouldn't Boogie listen, just get a half a sack for beating it. a tight end? I mean, is I that really you, a football player?
3: Listen. If a quarterback scrambles around and runs out of bounds a yard deep, it's a sack. It's a sack. I know. I'm Roll the ball playing. away. That's BS. I'm a huge fan
2: of, of Basham when I you know, I watched him in college. Uh, a couple of games, and, I'm, and I, I didn't know who he was. I kept going, who is that guy? He's amazing. Right, yeah. And then when the Man. draft came, and they're like, yo, Boogie Basham from uh, the Demon Deacons, I was like, hey, that's the guy. <laughs> so that's I'm, a, the I'm, guy. A, I'm a big yeah, fan. Yeah,
3: he played, I'll say what, he played great yesterday. And, you know, this game coming up against, you know, Cincinnati, they may have, I doubt that they will, but they may have, three offensive linemen from their starting five out. Yeah. Uh, and it all depends on Jonah Williams. If he can come back, he dislocated his kneecap. He did the same injury in week five, mm-hmm. but he came back and played the next week. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lyle Collins is not going to be in mm-hmm. there. And it Kappa their guard. He may be back with a, with an ankle. I'm thinking at least one or one of those guys, one of Jonah Williams or Kappa will come back. Uh, maybe both. But they, you know, still going to be without Lyle Collins. So l- l- I thought the game completely changed. You know, this John, last night's game against the Baltimore Ravens, everything changed. Oh. When Jonah Williams went out mm-hmm. and they lost to an offensive lineman, yep. uh, all of a sudden the Bengals stopped scoring points and stopped moving the football. Yep. And it was all because of a, be, the guys up front being different, well, we're going to we're going
2: we're going to talk about that. But uh, we're going also we also talk about uh, James Cook.
1: Yeah, you can look at the Patriots game, the first Patriots game a couple weeks ago when uh, Spencer Brown was out and Quisenberry was out there injured, and Uche like it's like who yeah. is this kid? This kid looks like a monster. Like, are we going to have to deal? Like, is he another Jalen Phillips? Like, all of a sudden, the the the, the Patriots have found the next guy. Yeah. And then Spencer Brown goes out there healthy and you don't even hear Uche's name in the second game. So yeah, to your point.
2: Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, Joe, I that thought, was, that I was think a, uh, a that was a hint, Joe, if you didn't get it. I got it. Of course. I got Okay. It. All right. So I always get Steve, it. Steve, this is the part where we have to give the nod to Q 42, our barbecue sponsor, Q42 Imanazisi makes fantastic rubs and sauces. And we're in the damn playoffs, which means you got to take your tailgate to the playoff caliber level, Steve. <laughs> if you're not eating Q42 totally barbecue sauces and rubs, all natural, no filler, crafted in small batches right here in Western New York. And most importantly, John Fina approved, then you need to go to Q42barbecue.com. That's Q-U-E. 42 bbq.com and as long as the bills are still playing steve tasker you will save 33%. 33 33? Yeah. 33 and threes baby we're going wow. with the threes you when you ground and pound in that coupon code all capital letters fina show <laughs> even steve tasker the legend can smoke and grill and barbecue like me for victory monday q42 barbecue.com steve are you a barbecue guy am i a
3: barbecue guy yeah i'm an i eat it i don't do it
1: you don't do it uh well q42 is uh dare i say taking over western new york um it's really like my wife is a not she's not an aspiring chef she's just a gifted cooking person like john is john is very much similar and uh, the Carolina Gold that he has, she just abs- – it's funny because I said that last week. Legit, I said last week that my wife loves the Carolina Gold. That's her favorite uh, barbecue sauce. Three days later, two bottles of Carolina Gold showed up in the mail. <laughs> so, Iman, I hear you. I appreciate nice. you, and I love you. So, you are yeah. – you are the man, it, it, Steve. It is really good
2: stuff, and I am an enthusiast in the kitchen. And if it sucked, I wouldn't use it. So,
1: and just you know, um, the Q forty two, the forty two. So Buffalo is on the forty second parallel, so that's where the Q forty two comes from. So, so that forty two is where Buffalo was at, which is
2: really oh, funny. I got it. Yeah,
3: I'm I'm in a village here outside of Buffalo, and and the village at the other end of town is called Forty Two North. So, it's oh, a, very good. Yep, it's, oh, nice. uh, the same. It's on
1: that forty two parallel. Yeah. So you got that reference yeah.
2: immediately.
3: So let's, let's move, move on to the work. Yeah.
2: Yeah, let's move on. But Steve, I want you to weave into the work here. uh, Something that Joe and I were talking about offline earlier in Joe's contention is basically the setup for this game. If the Bengals are dinged up at offensive line, what are we going to do to take advantage of it? What's the work either Leslie Leslie Frazier with game planning or individual performances to take advantage of a softer offensive line.
1: Can I can I jump in just to just kind of... No, right, no, the context. show has my name on it. <laughs> it does have your name, Drew. So just for of yeah. sake, because Steve, you were talking a second ago about the Dolphins' defense. And the Dolphins' defense, there's a measure of hubris involved in the Dolphins' defense. And there's a measure of hubris involved in the Bills' defense. And what that hubris is, is I don't care what other teams have done to beat you, our next opponent. We're going to game plan... And we're going to do what we do. So for the Dolphins, it's it's pretty well known, at least this year, you run a zone, a tight zone with a cover two shell, and it limits a lot of Josh's best skills, run a spy, blah, 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 blah. The Dolphins don't care. Single high, zero blitz, whatever. Man, we're going to do what we do, and we're going to beat you our way. All the right. Buffalo Bills do the exact same thing. We don't care what the Niners, and we don't care what the Chargers did to the Dolphins to basically emasculate two of Tonga Filoa. We're going to run our nickel 4-2 out there. We're going to play off coverage. We're going to beat you our way. So that's kind of where this whole thing kind of comes from. So to John's point, like what do you see this defense doing against a very damaged, hurt, right, maligned offensive line of the Bengals this weekend?
3: Well, I I don't know. It remains to be seen. I think this is – it's unfortunate because this is the exact time of year and the exact situation that you sign a Vaughn Miller for. Um it's exactly why he was brought in. Um and you know, you don't have him. I mean, right. mean he's right. you know he's out with a knee injury. Um but this is also why you draft AJ Epinesa, why you draft Boogie Basham, and why you draft Greg Rousseau. That's why you draft Ed Oliver, that's why you revamped completely your total defensive line roster outside of Ed. You bring in Jaquan Daquan Jones, you bring in Jordan Phillips, and you bring in Tim Settle uh and you turn those guys loose this these are the games that you do that for and this is a game where those defensive ends have got to dig deep they got to win and they got to win now if the bills can get quick pressure or even on time pressure with four guys they win the game right I, I they win a game. I agree. That's the blueprint every game. That's I agree. The,
1: the blueprint yeah. every game.
3: Now they can do it maybe once in a while. sending five, or whatever. But if they start having to send six guys to get pressure, if they start having to, you know, go zero cover one, zero n- zero high safeties, go man and try and get pressure,
1: you know, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a, a long you, a long day. Can you as a wide receiver talk to because uh, you played wide receiver that was your role outside of special teams? There was three. There was three instances yesterday that i counted specifically one of them was the kair elam interception where the dolphins went three wide to a side and there was only two bills defenders out there and then a safety shifted over about 22 yards deep does that when you see that formation now it worked with kair because Skylar thompson picked the wrong receiver he threw it right at Kyer Elam versus throwing it to the guy that was going to be open. And I know there's some guesswork in that. But when you see that as a wide receiver, hey, there's three of us out here. We got two in front of us, and one dude is a mile away. Like, is that – can you just talk about that formation real quick, offensively, defensively, Yachty, Like, can you work us through that?
3: Yeah, you don't know what's going to happen until you get out there and line up, right? So having a play call that would be perfect against is probably unlikely. Right. Because you don't know what's going to happen. Right. If you have automatic adjusts, and you make a little eye contact with your quarterback or one of your other your teammates out there, and you've got these adjustments on, you know the adjustments. You run those, and you and you should be able to get somebody open pretty fast. Um, If it's the down and distance where it's third and eighteen, it doesn't matter. You still somebody's still got to go eighteen, right? Right. So they don't care. You can you can get somebody open right away and throw it five yards. We're going to come up and make the tackle. And right. It's going to be fourth and twelve. Right. Um, so all that's in the mix as well. Kai and I think they. I, I think in the in this scenario we're talking about with the Kyer interception, I'm thinking I haven't gone back and looked. I'm thinking it was zone coverage. It was, and they zoned it off. And what happens when that guy came out and turned that corner route and came in front of the safety? They did not have the third guy. They were kind of trying to get somebody either over the middle or down the seam, along with the corner. The problem is the third guy wasn't out in the flat. There was nobody to for Kyir to guard short. Right? right. There was no. There was his zone was vacant. And there was no threat, so he so could he float. Sluffed off. Yep. Yeah, he sloughed off, dropped back into the throwing lane after the fact, and you know. Skyler didn't know he was going to do that. Mm. Um, he, he didn't have a guy out there to hold him up towards the line of scrimmage, threw it to the guy deep, and the underneath defender, which is Kyrie Elam, dropped back in it and just snagged it. It was an easy catch. Yeah. Um, that's what happened, I think, on that play. You've got more offensive players than defensive players. Yeah, you can take it, snap quick, and whip it out there and do a bubble screen and let's go and see if the guy can make one guy miss and get a nice play out of it. Um. You see a lot of teams do that, mm-hmm. and that's always an option on a down and distance, or when you're backed up in your own end. Uh, that's use if you're backed up in your own end. I think that's kind of what I would anticipate doing more of because it's a, a more high percentage throw to complete the third, you know, the, the one down the field, and that's why the you know I've, you got to tip your hat to the Dolphins for making the Bills go deep all day. It's a low percentage completion, even if you're going against air. You know, I mean, if you're out there on the practice field and you throw it, it's hard to do that, yep. right? It's hard to get it. So doing it against de- a defense, it's hard to hit those deep passes. Yeah, yeah. So, on, um, you know, and, and so that's why, you know, you put three guys over there, you put two defenders over there and throw the safety over the top late. What you do is you're just trying to – it's not about the receivers and having those guys covered or whatever. What it is about is making the quarterback think you've got this coverage being played. And all of a sudden, it's not right. right. Got it. Got it. So, Skyler Thompson might have thought he had a play there, and then when the safety comes over late, twenty-two yards deep, what that tells you is those corners—they're not going deep. Right. They're going to no. get underneath. They're going right. to—they're going to dare you to beat it. They don't care if you try and go deep on them because they got a safety back there for that. Yeah. So they're not going to drop out of there. Can I? And, uh, can and I press
1: you on you know, one more thing offensively?
2: Not, yeah. so uh, this, uh, is, this is uh, the over- uh, you can uh, You can have a chance. You can, it's have not chance. my turn. I mean, I we're promise, getting long in the two. We promised we promise. cut Steve loose. I, I got, I got, I oh, promise you get a chance. Uh, that's it. We're fine at the rate that this Buffalo
1: Bills defense has seen bubble screens and wide receiver screens work against them. Can you, for the we run of them? you figure out why we cannot run a wide receiver screen? Like. Why is can't the defense- run, you
2: can't run everything, Joe? You can't do everything. Uh, why is the defense just
1: walking the tape over to the offense and be like, "Here you go, just do this"?
3: <laughs> Here's, I don't know. I can't really speak to the specifics of it. I have a suspicion, and I think it has something to do with Josh. All right, um, when you've got a quarterback who can outrun people, mm. you tend to have things in place to keep him from running if you got like a spy right if you got a spy and he whips it out there that spy don't have to watch josh anymore right so he can just he can just go and that's just the extra defender out there and it's you know it's a problem Mm. Um, i think also teams are wary of um just having a an offense that runs like buffalo i think teams with Mobile quarterbacks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they struggle with that more than teams like Cincinnati, mm. and more than teams like Tampa Bay or Dallas. A quarterback that's going to be an anchor because in the pocket. I think a quarterback who can run for some reason, defensive defensive lineman, whatever for whatever reason. I think they're just they got their they got their antenna up more for me. I, I it's what I think. i There may be more specific and more in depth answers than that. Makes sense. But I, I, think there's something in the fact that they got a quarterback that can outrun eight defenders mm. on the field. Uh, I think that that makes it hard. It was that way with Dayball too. Mm. They tried to run them. They tried. They you know you've seen them try to run it at times. and They just they stink. Yeah. And some and I thought and John maybe you can talk about this. I thought maybe it was a point where the Bills didn't have either. Their, I thought you know three years ago like an eighteen when four years ago when Josh was a rookie. 18, maybe a little bit of 19. They didn't have the offensive lineman that could get out in front of them and do anything. They couldn't, they didn't have guys that could do it.
2: Hey, like hey, be Cody. careful, Steve, because uh, jo, uh, uh Joe is going to tell you the offensive line is terrible. That was not. well,
3: but hold on a second. If you Steve, think this offensive line is terrible, go back and look at 2018 offensive right. lines. Yeah,
2: well, listen, <laughs> hey, be, before we miss it, Steve, we do have a super chat from. The lovely and talented Pamadonna who would like to know. Say hey, Steve, Joe, and John. Steve, Just how these. do you how do you think Steve, how do you think Dorsey is doing? Well,
3: they're they're thirteen and three on the 14, season. Fourteen. Fourteen. Fourteen and three on the season. Fourteen and four. Well, no, they played sixteen games. They're thirteen and three.
1: 13, 13 and three, but fourteen with the playoff game. Yeah. Fourteen with the playoff game. Yeah. Fourteen
3: now, fourteen and three. Yeah, with the playoff game, and I, I think they're doing really well. And they're scoring. They scored more points this year per game than they did last year.
2: Yes, that's hard to believe. Just by I, a hair.
3: Just mm-hmm. by a hair. But still, it it comes out over seventeen games. They scored more games this year than they did last year per game. Uh,
1: I think he's doing fine. They we're getting Those a little really bit late. Fun. We 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 told Steve only an hour, but we're pressing against that. So let's uh let's yeah,
2: we we own Steve for at least seven more minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I let's let's press into this
1: Bengals game and just uh what do you think? Just expectations for the Buffalo Bills, knowing kind of what you saw, right? A couple weeks ago, and it it looked like it was gonna be a 51 to 50 shootout, even though we know that this Bills team is a second half defensive team specifically. Uh, what do you expect right. to see from both the Bengals and the bills in this next game on Sunday I think it'll be a I think it'll be a one score game Wow at the end of it nice um
3: mm. I, I I would tend to take the over I think they're gonna score 60 points
1: um together I mind
3: yes yeah 30 30 to 30 31 34 30, something like that right um I think that's that's what it's going to take to win this game. I think it's going to be very interesting to see how Cincinnati's offensive line does whether they are healthy enough and able enough to stay in there and give Joe time. If Joe, if Joe Burrow has time to throw, the Bengals may win this game. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, that's going to be the key. The Bills have got to get Joe Burrow running around back there. Their receivers go too – their receiving quality go too deep for you to go man-to-man against the top three guys mm. and not have somebody open. Yeah. Uh, they're just too good. So you're going to have to zone it off a little bit, but pass pressure is, is paramount. I don't have a problem. I think they're run, the bills run the ball better than the Bengals do. Mm-hmm. Um, statistically and certainly josh is a part of that but who cares because you know what? if you're the Bengals, you, yeah you got to defend counts. it that's right you got to defend it if josh is running it it's not like they get to say they didn't let him run and then bring it back because it was a quarterback running no it counts
2: i honestly you could, could throw, i honestly could throw up every time everybody says well without josh allen's rushing rushing yards and i'm like well they're there you can't say without him all right i got yeah uh, i got I, I got two questions for you steve and you, you got to settle a bet for me, All or right. or a beatdown. <laughs> and then the other one is just a yes or no. All right. The okay. first the first one is, and I, you know I know you're a wide receiver, special teams, DB kind of guy, but I contend that there is an immutable fact to pass protection that tackles, given physics, speed, leverage can only take a guy to nine yards oh. and that it's incumbent on quarterbacks to be at eight, eight and a half, seven, seven and a half, otherwise danger. And I'm saying when quarterbacks drop too deep, right. they get in trouble because there's no way as an offensive tackle that you can defend against four yards and 10.
3: Of course. Of course, that's a fact.
2: Sweet. You okay.
3: It's get. You got an offensive lineman who's backpedaling. and a guy running forward. He can't outrun him for ten. He can't outrun him for more than you know. Even with a two yard head start, which is what you've got about. Yeah.
2: Him. And with this, with this belly, you know, I can barely get to right? six.
3: You can't. You can't backpedal and pass set that deep and faster turn him. than The guy can run that fast. Yeah. Yep. The guy runs there faster than you can backpedal to get there. So yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. And For, for last
1: question. For context, just because one thing that John has done a very good job of with this show, uh, we do film breakdown as well on, on a normal kind of Monday when we don't have a guest. John has done a very good job of educating the average fan of football that doesn't know. So that's something that's never talked about on television. So you see a quarterback get sacked like wildly, like the defensive ends just like merge on the quarterback. And the announcer never says, well, he went further than nine yards.
3: That's because they have no
2: idea because they're clueless. Yeah. Right. Well, Tony Romo, does it
3: doesn't matter if it's nine, doesn't matter if it's nine yards or seven, he's got to climb the pocket. Right. Right. He's got to step up in the pocket. You got to feel that. I mean, and yeah. And a little bit of this isn't dictated by, listen, in our playbook, the quarterback drops back seven yards and they, you know, you got to take him back. No. You take the, you take your pass set and if the guy's trying to turn the corner, you push him as deep as you can and, you know, and the quarterback's got to be good enough to feel it and hear it, right? And this, you know, that's why they have ear holes. You can hear those guys working around you, right? <laughs> so, yeah, you're right. It's up to the quarterback to step up, and that's why too uh, tackles have that kind of ability to run the guy past the quarterback behind him. But it's incumbent on the guards and center to be stout enough not to get pushed back into the quarterback's lap. That's their that's their struggle. Right. Right. They gotta they gotta anchor. And that's you know it helps them that there's not less there's less space in there because there's guards and there's, you know there's not that much space that helps them but they've got to be able to anchor so the quarterback has a place to step up behind them into so each position has its own issues but yeah yeah Fina's right John's right you <laughs> victory Monday hold on I to take a I didn't know lap. that was I didn't know that was
1: victory lap coming incoming victory lap.
3: <laughs> i didn't i didn't know there would be people that disputed that it's just uh, more about so what we've done so it's, it's so
2: just the more dynamic, about
1: education and learning the, the dynamic between john and i has been very good on the show for the last couple of years because i'm a fan i played a little bit of high school football i didn't play in college i didn't play in the pros right so i come at from a fan purely fan aspect so i'm asking fan questions and john as a player is like why are you asking that question cuz to you guys it just makes sense and to us it's like what do you mean he can't g- drop back further than 10 yards that doesn't make any sense it's like no that's the rule <laughs> he can't drop further yes. than 9 okay.
3: that's the rule <laughs> well it's, yeah it's like a it's a rule too that you have to keep breathing i don't know why you have to
2: write it down though uh, uh my second question it's a two-parter real quick before we get to the super chat uh, Steve, if I come to the game this weekend, will you pretend like you know me and actually cheers me with a yeah? With a he'll glass? be there. Yeah. He'll be in attendance. Absolutely.
3: He'll be, oh, next, are you gonna be there. going to be
2: there. Victory Monday again. <laughs> he'll be in attendance.
3: You, I'm surprised you've been in. You've been in town a couple of times. And I've seen your your Twitter feed and everything. I never hear from oh. you. Never say hi. Oh, you know, like look me. You know, like you know, like reach out to me. Well, Nothing. I
2: I always felt like I obviously was a, I was a
3: big factor. I was a big factor, big mole, you know, big mentor for you when you were a young player. I know so. you.
2: You actually were, um, Steve. I I, yeah. I will reach out more. You know, I think everybody leaves the game and and separates a little bit. But hey, real quick, yeah. I, I know we're keeping it long, Steve. You've been amazing, uh, as I as both of us knew you would, um, and I can't thank you enough for uh, for responding no to my text, my my nineteenth text message. Um Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
3: Like, who Dude, is I love you thing? I don't I don't I
2: don't know if James is this James you didn't get PowerPoint? my you didn't
3: get my text you didn't get my text like this is a new phone who is this <laughs> <A new phone>. <laughs> <laughs> who it is all right uh no I I'll, guys I'll come on anytime it's great I I'll come on Appreciate it. yeah just ask me I'm I got yeah I'm an old guy now I got lots of free time,
2: <laughs> all, time. The, all the kids have moved out hey uh yeah. Steve so listen here here's my quick breakdown on James question thank you for the super chat uh 279 that must have something to do with Spencer Brown no Canada uh, oh Canada! Oh Canada! Yeah. Is that purple chicken dollars? I mean, is that real money? I don't know. Just oh. get to the question. <laughs> so I, I rate. I rate so hard. <laughs> I, I rate Spencer Brown as a B this year, and I'll tell you why. Number one, and Tasker will remember this. Everybody comes for the Buffalo Bills when they're doing well, just as they do for everybody that's winning. You're getting their best Super Bowl effort every time mm-hmm. they play our club. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And it's a tough place for him to be. He just came off of, uh, looks like probably a, a decompression surgery in his back. I'm not sure what it is. Maybe a laminectomy, maybe a laminotomy. I don't know. Um, he needs to do a few things. He needs to keep his hips closed and not sexy and wide open and swinging. Can't give up the corner, and the guy is massive. He needs to lower his pad level by about three to five inches, and he needs to trust his strike Mm. because he's not striking, he's placing. And the difference is, to Joe Miller's credit, about a yard. When Mm. you take that guy to seven, if you strike him, you take him to eight, or Mm. if you're taking him to eight, you take him to nine. You got to affect the angle of the rush. Super, super. Yeah, good.
3: I would, I would go, go along with you. I think he's, a, I think he's a way above average right tackle in the NFL. Now, certainly, he's got some strengths. one of his strengths is the fact the guy's six eight, mm-hmm. and he's got some. He's long, and he's got a good reach. Mm-hmm. He's also he's got the right attitude as well. Will Wolford told me one night, You may you can you can think about this. Left tackles are genetic freaks. Those guys are different genetically. He's you know they're 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 gifted. Really don't giving. say
1: don't say that to him.
3: Uh, if you're a right tackle, what you really need to be a good right tackle is a mean streak.
2: <laughs> totally agree. He brings what we need yeah. in that.
3: Yes. Yeah. And that's that's what Spencer Brown is. You, we saw it early on. Now I'll say this too. It's his second year. Um, I think there have been games when he struggled with certain types of guys, and certain guys have his number or seem to have a better day against him. But. I think those guys are getting fewer and far between. I think he's getting better. He's got a ways to go, but I think he has the right mindset. He's going to get better. His third year, I'm looking for. I'm, I look for bigger things from him. But I'm with you, John. There are certain things he needs to do, but they're they're technically above my pay grade. Mm-hmm. I couldn't, you know, the pad level thing. Certainly, a guy six eight, you would think he'd need to drop his pad mm-hmm. level a little bit. I see that some as well. Um, it'll be easier for him to anchor. It'll be easier for him to to go lateral um all of that stuff if he could lower his pad level just a little bit when you get too tall you get you know you just get too topply you know um so yeah i'm with you i think he's a i think he's been a he's a good draft pick i think they're right on with him i think he's going to be plugged in at the right tackle for as long as he can play healthy and uh i don't think they'll be saying there in the offseason that they need to replace him Mm -hmm. um I I know this, there's a ton of guys on this roster and this has been the way that Brandon Bean has, has worked it during their time here. And it's frightening at, at certain times of the year, like coming up in four weeks, hopefully when, when the bills go to and win the Super Bowl, whenever the season's over and you start evaluating, people are going to come to the realization. There's about 15 guys on this roster who really played a lot and contributed who are on one-year deals Mm -hmm, or in mm -hmm. the last year of a two-year deal. Yep, yep. Uh, They got some, like, you know, Saffold, I think, has got one more year on his deal. But there's a ton of guys who are in the last year of their deal or signed a one-year deal with the Bills. Uh, A lot of them. It was the same story last year. Mm -hmm. This is when Sean McDermott and the culture and what people say about this team and this town and this franchise and the fan base – that's why they get free agents to come in and say, I want a piece of that. Yeah. You got a, you got a quarterback. That's unlike any other, gives you a chance. The guy's a monster.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. Okay. I'll come play for you guys for a year. Give me a one year deal and and they'll do it. Um, so that is one of the things too. So whether Spencer Brown's good or not, they're still going to have a couple of slots on the offensive line where they're going to have to get some guys in, you know, uh, it'll be interesting to see how they work this roster in the off season. Not, we're not there yet, obviously, but,
1: Spencer Brown, I think they've I think they're pretty happy with the way he's played. One yes. last question, and then we're gonna get out of here. And I it's an education question for the fan base. So, Steve, you played football in the NFL, obviously, and you started your career uh without a visor, and then you went to a smoked visor. Uh, there's a lot of players that wear a smoked visor. Ezekiel Elliott is playing right now, he's wearing a smoked visor. Uh, pre-game, Steph and Josh both wear mirrored visors, but they don't wear them in the game. Can you tell the fans real quick the stipulation behind being allowed to wear a visor, specifically a smoked visor, versus not? Yeah, you got to have a doctor's
3: note, basically.
2: Yeah. I'll write it.
3: You got to have some sort of condition that makes it better. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's what it takes. Gotcha. I I switched and got a a visor. Mine was a smoked visor. I also played with a clear visor for a minute, too. I got my cornea scratched. Gotcha. That's how it started.
1: Gotcha. Interesting.
3: I got I got my cornea scratched in practice, and I you know I was like you know, give me something to cover that up. I don't want that to happen again. Gotcha. So that's what
1: you know. That's where that came
3: from. And then after a while, I, I stopped wearing it as well. At the end of my
1: career. Yeah, it seems like for a running back and a quarterback, a smoke visor is pays huge dividends. But
2: yeah. So, so, let me add my my final comment. Actually, on, no.
1: I've, I've got I'm looking at my last. I'm looking
3: at the last helmet I wore, and it does have a visor on it, but it's so clear.
2: Clear. clear oh, so I I yeah. had a clear. Visor. I got my
3: cornea scratched.
2: Yeah. I, I, I had a clear visor on for about three plays. That's about how long it took me to realize that when I engage with a guy, I was a spitter. So I would literally yeah. just spit. <laughs> <laughs> like my whole visor looked like a uh, Buffalo in July in a downpour right, a windshield. I yeah. couldn't see like a, a thing. Windshield, right? I was yeah. like, I'll get poked in the eye all day long. I can't see anything.
1: That is amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. Ladies That's and gentlemen, right. you have been tuned into the off tackle with John Fina show brought to you by the market dominator team in the Buffalo rumblings vidcast network presented by Picasso's pizza. My name is Joe Miller. Uh, just super awesome. Just to be a part of this group and to be on this show with John Fina, with Steve Tasker, final thoughts, gentlemen, Steve, any final thoughts?
3: No, I'm looking forward to this game. I, I think this is going to be a one-score game. I, I, I hope the weather is great um, so the guys can play and we yeah. can see these two quarterbacks. It's a game that never was. It's going to be 3 o'clock on Sunday, the early window. Um, and uh, – I think this is a game because of what happened in the Monday night game in the first meeting with Demar Hamlin. I think you're going to get like six gazillion people watching this game.
1: I was going to ask you: Are you surprised um, by that that it got the three o'clock Sunday slot? Not a prime time, not a night game. No, that's a that's a no, that's a monster slot. Oh, is it? Gotcha. Okay. The four the, the four twenty
3: five slot on Sunday afternoon is a monster slot. That's the slot gotcha. of the week. Okay, that's why those four twenty five games on Sunday are big deals. Gotcha. You go, they go national, and uh, yeah, they'll be. I don't know. There'll be fifty million people watching that.
2: Whew. Nice. I'll tell you this right yeah. now: the Bills establish a running game anyway. Josh Cook or Motor, and they get pressure on Burrow with four Bills by ten.
3: Yeah, if they, don't, I'd say this too: if the Bills don't turn it over like they did, if they, if if they don't turn it over, they're too hard to beat. Yeah. They're really just too hard. To
1: yeah, I've been I've been saying over
3: four quarters, they outdistance you. I've been
1: saying for since about week six, the only team in the NFL that can beat the Bills are the Buffalo Bills. It's the only team. Some, I, tell you,
3: I told you, they have seen the enemy, and it is them.
1: Yeah. Very <laughs> They're good. their
3: own worst enemy. Well,
1: everybody, own ladies own and gentlemen, on behalf of Buffalo Rumblings, myself, John Fina, Steve Tasker. Tomorrow, Jay Spencer King on the Code of Conduct has Levi Wallace. Wednesday, in the Hump Day Hotline, Sal Capaccio will be joining us. Uh, Thursday, I believe, the, Reed, the the After the Snap podcast with Reed and Blake Ferguson, and then uh, also the Jerry Ostrowski show, The Three-Man Rush. So, for myself, for John, for Steve, for all of us here at Buffalo Rumblings, go Bills!